The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a good day to you. Thanks for tuning in to Winning Ponies. Uh, I've got a good lineup for you today. Uh, Daily Racing Forum columnist and four-time Eclipse Award-winning writer Jay Hovday will be with us here in about 15 minutes. And after that, the news editor from the Blood Horse, a guy that has his finger on the pulse of racing, and he's a pretty good handicapper, Tom Lamara. He's been a repeated guest at Winning Ponies. And we always like to have Tom back. Of course, last week he was covering a lot of the Chicago races up there, which we'll review uh, later in the show. First, want to give a, a shout-out uh, to, to Chris McCarron. Uh, this week, uh, as a matter of fact, just yesterday, a young man by the name of Ben Creed won the first race at River Downs, uh, his, not his first race in his career, but in doing so uh, gave the riding school that Chris heads up in Lexington, their 1,500 victory. Not bad for a school. Just started by uh, Chris and uh, pretty much still in its infancy, really. So 1,500 wins for the NARA grads. And also want to give a shout-out to Brian Hernandez. He was a guest on Winning Ponies just two weeks ago, and Brian rode his 1,000th winner this week. So congratulations to him and congratulations to all the students that come out of Chris's NARA program. Uh, just got a release today. Uh, there's going to be a new publication out, uh, a commemorative issue for Old Friends, Old Friends Magazine. As you know, we've had Michael Blowen on the show before, and he will be with us, I believe, in two weeks as we're having a fundraiser at the track for Old Friends. Just a, a, a great place. But right now, uh, you know, let's face it, there's no issue more important to thoroughbred horse racing than the welfare and aftercare of, of its horses. Uh, there's numerous foundations and adoption programs and groups that are devoted to this cause, and the Daily Racing Forum has announced that they're proud to join the effort by announcing the publication of Old Friends Magazine. Now, Old Friends Magazine, produced by the Racing Forum, it's 80 color pages, and, of course, a couple of weeks ago we had on Barbara Livingston, and we talked about her amazing photography. Uh, so it's going to be color, 80 pages, uh, Barbara's photographs, commentary by one Jay Hovday and Glenn Kane Oakford, and uh, lifetime past performances of all the greats that are down at Old Friends. And uh, if you're interested in getting the magazine, hopefully they'll be on sale at a track near you, uh, but uh, you can uh, copy... Uh, www.oldfriendsequine.org and get a hold of the people there and they will get a copy out to you. So that's late breaking. That was, that was just announced uh, late this afternoon. A couple announcements we didn't want to hear but uh, had to anyhow is the loss of a couple more of the three-year-olds. You know, earlier in the season, 
It was so great going up to the Derby to see so many good two-year-olds that developed into top three-year-olds. I mean, there were just so many of them that had won graded stakes races. And, well, obviously we lost. I'll I'll have another. He fell to the wayside. Uh, Then Union Rags. Well, two more announcements this week. Uh, One is looks like Hanson is done. Uh, It looks like it's a tendon injury. He had inflammation in his left front leg after a workout. And obviously no plans uh, have been made for him because, as I recall, Dr. Kendall Hansen told us that uh, he was intending to race him through his five-year-old season. That was his initial uh, feel for Hansen. So obviously it will probably be announced in the weeks ahead. I'd be interested to see if Gainsway's interested, uh, being that they stand Tappet, uh, and this is the leading son of Tappet up until this point. So Hansen heads into retirement, as does the scintillating Bodemeister. Uh, he's been diagnosed to an injury to his left shoulder. Let's see if I can get through this. He has a peripheral nerve injury, which caused atrophy of the infraspinitis muscle to his left shoulder, according to Dr. Larry Bramlage, and I think I got that out right. Uh, an injury like this is going to take about 60 days to heal, but just like Hansen, just like I'll have another, Bodie Meister, these are injuries that you don't know if they could crop up again, certainly would push them way back into the fall campaign and probably not ready for the Breeders' Cup races. And do they come back at the same level? Uh, no one ever knows, but once the horse has shown so much brilliance, it's really not worth uh, taking the, the, the chance to see. And uh, obviously, Bodemeister, he's still going to be very well received at the breeding shed. I mean, uh, he's out of the grade three winning Stormcat mare, untouched talent. She's a half-sister to two stakes horses, uh, you know, and also he's going to be handled uh, by uh, Windstar Farm. Elliot Walden thinks he's the best Stallion prospect from the three-year-old crop this year. So he'll be going to Windstar. It has been announced that Union Rags is going to go to stud at Lane's End. Uh, and it makes sense because uh, he's a son of Dixie Union and his grandsire was Dixieland Band. Both of those horses stood at Will Farish's Lane's End farm Uh Right now, Union Rags is still with Michael Matz. I think they're kind of winding him down before he gets to the farm, and uh, they have not announced a stud fee at this point. Go um, Across the pond, Frankel, unbelievable. Uh, he went beyond a mile for the first time and just crushed him by seven lengths after being far back in the field. He is now undefeated at 13 races. The big Question is, will he go in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe trying to go a mile and a half? Should he do that, without a doubt, he will go down as one of racing's all-time greats, if he won't already. But certainly that would really stamp him. There are some people that say, well, who's he beat? Well, let me tell you, he's beaten some nice horses that uh, have beaten the likes of uh, Goldakova. So uh, he, he's, he's tested the best, and as a matter of fact, uh, in this race was St. Nicholas Abbey, who was the winner of the 2011 Breeders' Cup Turf. So, uh, you know, he's definitely faced some quality opponents. Uh, speaking of a uh, quality opponent, Johnny Velasquez, he's closing in on Jerry Bailey's record. Right now he trails him by 16. I think there's about 11 days left. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Johnny V can ride a couple doubles and pass Bailey for Saratoga wins. As you call, he checked in a little bit late because of 
an accident, collarbone injury. Well, another guy that feels like uh, he's Iron Man and he's willing to face injury is one Frank Amante who's suing Suffolk Downs uh, for refusing to allow him to ride in races this season. Uh, he was granted a license as a jockey and a trainer by the state, uh, but Suffolk officials refused to allow Amante to ride. Why? Is he a bad guy? Does he have a bad record? Uh, uh, drugs? Wife beating? No. Because he's 76 years old. Yes, <laughs> Amante still gallops his horses in the morning, and he feels that he is uh, still uh, able able to ride. Uh He's still the oldest rider ever to win a race at a thoroughbred track. But uh, hats off to Frank Amante at 76. I hope I can make it to the horse races at 76, let alone ride a horse at 76. Uh, we might want to ask Jay Hobday later uh, in, in the show what's going on with uh, the connections of Richard's kid. He was sold and transferred from probably the hottest trainer on the West Coast right now in Bob Baffert. Uh, of course, he, he won the 2009 and 2010 Pacific Classic, the race that's coming up. And uh, he was acquired by a partnership that includes Mark Verges, if I'm saying that right. Verges has played an increasingly prominent role in Southern California racing. In recent months, he joined Santa Anita as the chief executive officer. There's got to be a story there. Uh, going above the... Uh, the Plains here to Canada. Uh, Sandy Hawley uh, uh, presented rider Russell Bays with the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame ring. Uh, Bays uh, was born in Canada. He's closing in on 11,700 races. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, the 54-year-old Bays was inducted into Saratoga's Horse Racing Hall of Fame in 1999. Also, uh, Jambalaya was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Uh, she won the uh, Grade 1 Arlington Million. Uh, prices doing well at the sales. The Ocala sale uh, was up 19.3% from last year's average. Uh, the median rose 7.7%. Uh, leading the top, uh, West Ward went to 220000 for a son of Colonel John. Uh, an Empire Maker went for 180000 Majestic Warrior for 150000 On the Philly side of things, the most expensive was a daughter of Street Sense, very hot stud, went to $140,000. And if you want to get yourself a nice broodmare, uh, well, uh, you can uh, go to the, uh, the mixed auction that's going to happen in Kentucky, the Fazig-Tipton sale, uh, the dams of I'll Have Another and Bodemeister will be going on the auction block. So certainly some quality bloodlines for the taking down there in Kentucky. Well, big, big week in racing in the Windy City. Uh, we'll try to get through some of these as, as quick as we can. Uh, starting out a little early on the card was the American St. Leger, and that was won by the European Jackalberry, who held off Ioya Big Time and Zyder Z. From there, we next uh, took a look at, uh, of course, the Arlington Million itself, and uh, it was a case of front-running robbery. Everybody uh, saw that, uh, you know, Ramon Dominguez was was up at Arlington, and he took a, a little Mike and made him a big horse. Now, little Mike's a gelding, and he's by Spanish Steps. I had to start researching Spanish Steps. To find out who he was, normally, you know, the Arlington Million, you're going to see uh, horses by the likes of Galileo and Empire Maker uh, winning this race. But it was Little Mike, uh, trained by Dale Romans, 
who got the job done on the front end. Ramon Dominguez, just absolutely uh, perfect timing. Didn't make a move until he had to kind of put a little bit of a distance uh, between himself uh, there in the mid-stretch, about four and a half lengths, and then held off uh, Absair, a British bred who was really rank at the gate, and Rahi Strada, who broke from the unfavorable one-hole, ran third. But Spanish Steps, if you want to get to him, $3,000, stands in Scottsburg, Indiana, just north of Louisville. Uh, I talked to the owner, and he's expecting to get a few phone calls from some people after Little Mike took the Arlington Million. Uh, we thought that uh, Dale Romans might have the, uh, the trifecta in the Secretariat grade one race at, at Arlington Park uh, with uh, Silver Max, who looked uh, really strong, but it was the Aga Khan's by year winning a three of four previous races had never run in the United States, the Euros getting it done up in Chicago. So um, Bayer did take down the top spot in the Secretariat. Then we went on to the Beverly D., and it was another European, Irish-bred, I'm a dreamer, making her U.S. debut, uh, rallied from 7th, got up to 6th at the, three, for, uh, the six furlong mark, and got up in a thrilling race with marketing mix closing right along with I'm a dreamer and Jovality right back. There, there was a, a really good head-bobbing finish there in the Beverly D., so I'm a dreamer, gets that one done. Again, the Euros, always tough in those uh, grass races. Saratoga, the Alabama, a classic race if ever there was one. And Questing could be the next Royal Delta. She really stamped herself a good one. Uh, the, the speed that she showed in this race was phenomenal, and she just dictated the pace the whole way. Uh, in lingerie, tried to make a little move uh, into the lane, and it's funny, Questing did run rather erratically through the lane, uh, kind of veering in and out, uh, but got st- straightened away and ended up by winning an authoritative nine lengths. In lingerie, may have stamped herself as the second-best three-year-old uh, as she finished nine lengths ahead of Via Villaggio. And then uh, in the, the sword dancer, this was just a case of fantastic race riding uh, by John Velasquez. Uh, this horse was favored. He kind of got down in there, got covered up a little bit. Coming into the turn, uh, you, you've got to, I'll read the chart caller's uh, description because nobody could describe it better. And then we're going to uh, take a break and be back with Jay Hobday. But l- listen to this. This is concerning point of entry in the sword dancer invitational. This is the chart was eased out a bit in the vicinity of the half-mile pole, seeking to vacate the premises, but was guided back to the inside shortly afterwards, was forced to be kept on hold, idling behind rivals during the later stages of run around the final turn, found room to maneuver just before coming to the quarter pole, angling out four wide into the stretch under a less than vigorous hand ride. (laughs) And that is a description of the sword dancer. All right, well, that's a look at the big races and all the news that's happening here You're on winningponies.com, and coming up, you're going to be with one of the best race riders in the country, Jay Hobday. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, and I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, we've been so blessed with uh, some fantastic uh, guests here on Winning Ponies, of course, big supporters of the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, one of my favorite columnists uh, is, is Jay Hovday. I, I love usually uh, the, the Sunday edition, I think it is. Oh, here in the Midwest, we always get a nice story uh, uh, from, from Jay. And uh, he, he's a four-time Eclipse Award-winning writer. Uh, he also penned a great novel about the great uh, Charlie Whittingham, uh, he has a fantastic uh, overview of the sport and what, what I feel, as I've told him off the air, is a, a, a real respect for the game. And uh, so make sure that uh, when, you, when you see the name Jay Hovday in this world where things go so fast, take five minutes and sit there and read the column because this guy really is a, is a, is a marvelous writer. And all I can say is I, I was kind of blessed years ago in that I was kind of mentioned in a column by Jay and they were looking for maybe a new representative for the NTRA. And they weren't sure which way to go. And among a list of about half a dozen people, uh, he said that cigar chomping guy from River Downs who looks like the blue collared Harvey Pack. So with that, I'll introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Hovday. Jay, thanks for being with us. Well, hi, John. I forget. Did I spell your name right? Nobody does, so it doesn't matter. Okay, all right, all right. At least <laughs> I knew who I was talking LA. about. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyhow, uh, your, your name pops into the news today. Uh, I get a, uh, a late press release out uh, from uh, from Eric Wing uh, through the Daily Racing Forum, and you are obviously hooked in with one of my favorite charities. As a matter of fact, two weeks from now, uh, we're throwing a fundraiser here, River Downs, for old friends, and Michael Blowen will be here. And uh, what I found out, what's going to make this magazine even better, is that it has astute commentary by Jay Hovday. I can let you know that they're 
talking about you behind your back. I don't know if you saw the release, release or not. What's your role in uh, this 80-page uh, color magazine? Well, uh, John, that, that was something that uh, the Daily Racing Forum uh, uh, produced for the uh, uh, for the old friends and for the fundraising that they're they're doing uh, toward uh, the wonderful cause of uh, retirement, rehabilitation, and adoption of uh, former racehorses. And uh, you know, uh, the boss asked Jay, "Would you write something for it?" And Jay said, "Yeah." So uh, it's uh, always always a pleasure to write about that subject. I mean, it's like mom and apple pie. Who who isn't in favor of that? But uh, it's uh, it's a structure that uh, has to be has to get in place to uh, assure our athletes uh, that they will have a uh, an honorable retirement, a healthy retirement, and uh, the ones that can um, you know live for 20 years after they retire at age six. Uh, hopefully, there's a place for them and even a role because they're fun to ride. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to reading what you penned because uh, uh, I'm so glad you're the man that did it because Michael Blowen is so passionate about what he does. He's just he's a fantastic individual, and I, and I think what, he, what he's doing is great, and the support that the forum's given him, uh, I was so happy to see that. And I can't wait two weeks from now because I'm going to get to buy my first issue. There you go. Now, as, as, I, as I spoke earlier about your respect for the history of the game, uh, I'm, I'm not putting an age on you, but you've had a chance to be around so many racing greats. And uh, the, the fact that you wrote a book about, about Charlie Whittingham, I mean, is, was there more of a class act than racing? <laughs> well, certainly Charlie was one of the all-time characters in racing. And, uh, you know, I mean, here's a... a you know, a former Marine sergeant who uh, fought in Guadalcanal, and uh, right there you've got a book. But, uh, you know, add to that all that Charlie accomplished as a thoroughbred trainer. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, his name is fading a little bit into the, uh, the mists of time, but every time you pick up a, a list of uh, top races, certainly in California, but even in places like uh, New York and uh, Florida and Chicago, you see the name Whittingham come up many, many times. I'll share a story with you. There was a, a guy who was an excellent rider in his day by the name of Howard Grant. I believe they called him the Little General, and I believe he did his fair share of riding out there on the West Coast. They called him Heavy Howard out here. <laughs> the clerk of scales did, I'm sure. But uh, he's, he's from Cincinnati, and we actually had a Howard Grant day, and 10,000 people showed up back in the day. But anyhow, he shared this story with me one time. He said he was, he was, he was at a bar. Uh, not too far from the track, and he'd been out probably a little bit later than he should have. And uh, the bartender came up to him and he said, "Hey, uh, the guy over there wants to uh, wants to buy you a drink." He goes, "No, no, 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 no." He says, "I I can't have another drink." And so he says, "Well, I, I'm I'm riding the favorite and the feature tomorrow at Santa Anita." And all of a sudden, the guy who was going to buy him the drink came up to him and he said. You're not riding that favorite if you don't have that drink. <laughs> and it turned out it was Charlie Whittingham. It was Charlie. Yeah. That's a great story. Most of the good Charlie Whittingham stories take place in bars, by the way. <laughs> I mean, there was a time he was in a bar up in Bay Meadows or in the Bay Area, and he, uh, uh, he was just sitting there minding his own business, and some guy walks up and just cold cocks him. And then looks down at Charlie, picking himself up off the floor, and says, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were somebody else." Charlie just shakes it off, goes back to his cocktail. Half an hour, hour or so later, on his way out the door, does the same thing to this guy sitting at a table, and, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were somebody else. <laughs> it's classic. Well, you know, the, the, the backstretch and racing in itself is just so filled with so many colorful characters and, and colorful stories. Um, tell me, Jay, um, how did you, you come to be able to get to doing what you love? 
Well, like most people, uh, my grandparents took me to the races. I mean, isn't that the way everybody gets to the racetrack? Yes, it uh, is. Parents most or grandparents, and uh, it just went from there. I enjoyed the sport first. It was right up there with baseball as far as I was concerned. And um, when I was growing up, my friends felt the same way. We argued about the uh, Dodgers and the Giants, and we argued about Damascus and Dr. Fager, and uh, that was just as natural as could be. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was in my blood, in my spirit from, from day one. Now, did you, uh, did you start out in, in um, the newspaper field, or how, how did you break into the form? Is this a, is this a job interview, uh, John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how you got I, uh, I, I, uh, I was in, uh, in, in college. Uh, I was uh, on the uh, newspaper staff uh, at Arizona State University and uh, just parlayed that into uh, work at the uh, Daily Racing Forum and uh, went from there. Uh, now, from what I understand, you also had a role in uh, in last year's, or maybe it was two years ago now, uh, the HBO series Luck. What was your role concerning that uh, production? Well, I was uh, honored and fortunate enough to be uh, one of David Milch's staff writers for that series. Uh, I was the uh, probably the, the most creative, uh, uh, fascinating uh, experience of my life as a writer, and I'm very proud of the work we did uh, in that uh, series of nine episodes. Uh, and uh, I believe the uh, the DVD of uh, Luck will be uh, out uh, sometime in November, something like that, and uh, hopefully people will be able to enjoy it uh, all over again. Uh, what is your feel for the, the demise of that? Do you, do, you, do you think it was overblown? I mean, do you think they were just being overcautious because of the, the PETA backlash they were probably going to get, even though some of these uh, situations had nothing to do with horses racing? Well, my reaction was heartbroken, of course, and, and not just you know on a, a personal level. There were so many, literally hundreds of people who were employed on that production. A weekly HBO series is a giant, uh, you know, movable circus. I mean, it is a it is a great big animal, and uh, there were a lot of people that were were left out in the cold because of that, so to speak. Um, as to the reasons, uh, it's kind of um, kind of above my pay grade. Um, uh, <laughs> the uh, the politics of, uh, of network uh, television are uh, are arcane and thick and, and densely uh, you know densely weeded with a lot of considerations. Um, certainly, you've you've got to have a pretty smooth production uh, to to keep going and. Uh, there were bumps in ours, and uh, it just so happened that those bumps were uh, fatalities to some of the actor horses. And uh, you know that's uh, that's something that will will be studied and learned from, hopefully, in years to come. Well, it's just too bad because you know we we fight such a fight getting getting racing in the mainstream and getting new people to see our sport that uh, a show of such quality production with such high end uh, actors in it uh, had to go the, the way the way it did. Well, all I can tell you is it was it was quite an experience writing lines and then hearing Nick Nolte say them, and uh, that's. Uh, that's that's something that uh, I'll uh, never forget, and uh, if I ever have a chance to do something like that again, I'll jump at it. You know, just recently I got lucky. I did some work uh, for uh, the uh, the Breeders' Cup and doing condensed bios on the, the winners in in the. I got assigned 94, 95, 96, and wow, it was neat going back. And uh, I use that book, Champions, a lot to look mm-hmm. up the past performance of these horses. And, and I'll tell you what, you, you work among the, the midst of some of the greatest jockeys ever. And I was really, you know, 
Chris McCarron's name just kept jumping up. I mean, did you have do you have some favorite riders from from days gone by that worked well with you that were intelligent and could describe a race? And you know, just just tell me a bit about some of the jacks you've worked with. Well, that's like uh, asking Bill Shoemaker who was his favorite horse. I mean, uh, the guys that I was able to 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 deal with, including Shoemaker. Um, I tell you, you know, a guy that's still very much in the in the mix today that I love talking shop with is Mike Smith. Uh, there are very few jockeys uh, that are more shy than him. He's he's a very, uh, you know, and I I know that you know the picture that he published uh, in uh, ESPN uh, magazine that doesn't <laughs> indicate that he's shy, but. Uh, the uh, the fact that he is a, a kind of a reticent guy to talk about himself, and he loves to talk shop. He loves to talk about the craft of of being a jockey. Uh, McCarron is that way, and obviously he's passing that on uh, to uh, to young people in his uh, North American Racing Academy in Kentucky. Um, you know, right down the line. I mean, I watched Braulio Baeza meditating in his cubicle. I watched uh, Albert Pineda playing uh, you know ping pong uh, a week before he was killed in the starting gate. I mean, uh, I watched Howard Grant get on the scale my first year out here in California. Um, he was uh, on his way out as a jockey at that point, but uh, he was still uh, talk about you know 122 pounds of live weight that you wouldn't want to argue with. So. Uh, <laughs> Right down the line, uh, and of course, uh, I ended up marrying one, but she was retired when I married her. Well, that's exactly where I'm probably going to wind up uh, th- this interview, Jay, is that, uh, that of course, we're talking about uh, Julie Crone, who set so many records herself. As a matter of fact, I had uh, P.J. Cooksey on last week of whose uh, record she smashed at one point. Um, but nonetheless, uh, there, there's something interesting coming up at the, the world-renowned uh, St. Leisure Festival, I believe it is, at Doncaster Racecourse. I, I, she had success there in the past, and you guys are going back? Yes, we are. Uh, Julie rides uh, a charity race there, rode a charity race there last year at Doncaster, um, which is in Yorkshire, northern England. That's where the site of the third leg of the uh, English Triple Crown, the St. Ledger. Uh, the uh, the charity race comes up on September uh, 12th, and the St. Ledger is the 15th of September, and it's going to be, I tell you, the it's it's going to be the center of the racing universe that day because Camelot is going to be going for the first English Triple Crown in 42 years. Very wow, exciting to be there. So Julie's race will be in the books by then. I don't know if she'll be able to defend her championship, but uh, she'll try hard. You know that she'll be riding against people like Mick Canan and. Uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, he's ridden a lot of good horses, and uh, he's not about to let Julie uh, beat him if he can. No, let's face it. You know, there's a lot of nice jockeys out there, but once they get in that saddle, it's, it's competition until they get past the wire. There's no doubt about that. No question. Uh, there's there's no fiercer competitors among athletes. Uh, these guys play hard. Uh, they don't uh, they don't eat if they don't win, and um, and and every step out there could quite literally be their last. Well, uh, speaking of respect, I have the utmost respect not, not only for, for those uh, jockeys that uh, risk life and limb every race, but I have respect for guys that uh, that put the sport forward in, in such a positive and interesting light, uh, and you, you're right at the, the top of the list there, Jay. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you missed the feature race uh, today because of us, but uh, certainly I'm sure that our Winning Ponies listeners appreciated learning a little bit more about you. John, it was a great pleasure, and uh, best of luck to you. I uh, look forward to listening to you down the road. All right, take care. Jay Hovday from the Daily Racing Forum, ladies and gentlemen. And coming up next, we're going to go to a different writer and handicapper, Tom Lamara from the Blood Horse. Hey! 
flagship station for sports voice america sports sports continues to grow and evolve to ever increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, a repeat visitor to Winning Ponies because I love talking to him. I like seeing him at the racetracks. I like reading his writing. I like his opinions. And uh, he's also always on the cutting edge. He's the news editor from Blood Horse Magazine, the one, the only Tom Lamara. Tom, how we doing? I'm good, John. How are you guys doing? I'm okay. I'm really uh, enjoying today's uh, show. I uh, just got a chance to talk to Jay Hub Day. There's going to be a, a new publication coming out, uh, an old friend's magazine. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, he was one of the writers on that project. And here in two weeks, mm-hmm. we're having a fundraiser up here. Maybe you can sneak up on our last day of the meet, Tom. Lexington's not Labor that day? far away. Yeah. Labor Day, right? Yes. Yeah. I'll even save a couple of cradle mugs for you. <laughs> I think I have them. <laughs> you can't break them. Okay. I, let me tell you, you throw them down steps and they won't break. I know, um, I know that. You know, Tom, I, I had a tough time, you know, a couple months ago, May probably had the conversation with you prior to the Derby. Uh, I was I was so psyched that so many two-year-olds from last season had come out, I think there was something like 11 of them, had won graded stakes races as three-year-olds. And this was just setting up to be a fantastic season for the three-year-olds. And now here in, in one fell swoop in, in a week, I've got to talk about the retirements of, of Union Rags, Bodie Meister, and Hanson. I mean, what a punch to the stomach for this crop. Yeah, um, Hanson, uh, we still don't quite know the deal with Hanson. Um, you know, I guess he's retired, but it hasn't been confirmed Um I think we need to hold off before we say that we'll never see Hanson race again um, because, you know, um, his namesake, Kendall Hanson, has, you know, had said in the past that he'd like to run the horse as a four- and five-year-old. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I think it depends on, on, on how serious the industry, or not industry, um, 
the injury is. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, he may be retired, he may not. So I'm going to hold off on that one. But the other two are kind of intriguing because, you know, uh, we had been told that, that, yes, they were injured, but they could recover. And, uh, but I guess they just decided not to, uh, spend the time on the recovery. So they're retired, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, this is not uncommon in this business, uh, unfortunately. And, um, you know, and quite frankly, and not afraid to say this, this is why I, I focus my interest in wagering on, on um, lower-level racing because I like to see horses race, you know, 60 times. <laughs> because on, I know what the form is. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's where I spend most of my money. But, yes, I do follow these horses. And, yes, it is kind of disturbing that, you know, that, um, you know, here it is uh, late August, and, you know, a lot of the horses that were prominent in the Triple Crown are gone. Uh, that doesn't mean that the horses who are running in the Travers on Saturday can't step up or whatever. But, yeah, you know, but this is not unusual, and I think um, personally – I've reached the point where I'm kind of numb to it, honestly, and I don't get worked up over it because uh, it just happens time and time again. I'm not justifying it, by the way, but it, it seems to be a fact of life. So It, it does, sir, but it's a double-edged sword. First of all, uh, if you think about the connections of these horses, none of these people really need the stud money, Yeah, and I'm sure they would take no, much more really. pride <laughs> of being in the winner's circle in a graded stakes race than right. three and foals be born three years from now. Um, and and I think the bottom line too is, uh, what if you know what I mean, Tom? What if they try to make a comeback and one of these horses who's shown signs of greatness would break down in, in the public's eye? Would oh that be a yeah, yeah. Look, retiring him early. I don't know. I understand that, but but you know, I don't think that anybody would bring a horse back that you know that that was you know. That was in the kind of shape that, you know, that you, you didn't know if those were going to break down or not. Quite frankly, most breakdowns are arbitrary anyway. Um, so, you know, it's really not in our hands, quite frankly. So, you know, I don't buy that argument. I understand, you know, the, the concern because of the microscope on racing. But, you know, um, if the horse is sound, you, you know, you race it. And, um, you know, what, ha- what, what happens, happens, I think. So. Well, let's move forward. We're talking about three-year-olds. We're going to go to what was really, besides the Kentucky Derby, my favorite race of all time. And my the Engelhart family, we called it a holy race of obligation. And it was the Travers, the Midsummer Derby. And with those horses that we just discussed uh, on the sidelines, including I'll Have Another, I think this is a pretty wide-open race. The Travers, of course, we, we call it the Midsummer Derby because it's a mile and a quarter, a distance that most of these horses probably won't race again the rest of their life. How do you see the race unfolding, Tom? Well, uh, that's a good question because... Um, All the speed's gone. Well, I don't... You, right. And, and, and um, we, um, we handicapped the race on that handicapping show on blowhorse.com today, and... Um, you know, when I told Pete Dank, I said, Pete, I said, I really, I'm having trouble, you know, um, trying to determine which horse or horses may be up front, you know, or close to the pace. And, um, they said you know, that city's going to go, I think. Well, I guess. Um, so I looked at it as, well, 
you know, I don't know how the pace will set up. So I just kind of went with a horse that I thought um, was improving. Um, he is one-dimensional. Street life is who I'm talking about. He's a one-dimensional horse. He comes from off the pace. And, yeah, um, that's what I've got on my know, notes right here. Street life will need pace. But you know what, Saratoga, yeah, a lot of times right. horses fall in love with that strip, and he's one for one there. Right. And, and, and what I thought was is, you know, if, there's not a fast pace, and it's like, you know, like crawling. You know, he shouldn't be that far back, and I think that he's got the kick in the lane to win the race. So I just said, you know what, let me just pick him. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, I've seen races like this, though, where where it looks like there's no speed, you know, and then all of a sudden there's three or four horses out there, and all of a sudden it turns into a slugfest for the first <laughs> half mile. Well, um, I'm kind of, and I'm that, kind of leaning that towards these graded uh, stakes or claimers. You know, it's like you try to figure it out, and you can't, and then all of a sudden a pace duel materializes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know. So, um, But I don't, you know, maybe Alpha, because, you know, um, last time out he did win wire to wire, and uh, Ramon Dominguez rode him in that race, and he's back. So I'm guessing Alpha maybe would try to take the early lead, but I don't know because that's not typically his style. So it's a great betting race. There aren't a lot of standouts in the race, uh, or I shouldn't say standouts, but horses from the Triple Crown Trail. But, um, but I think it's a good betting race. I think that, you know, there's probably some value in there. Yeah, I think so because I think you could get some halfway decent odds on Liaison or Nonios, if I'm saying that right. Oh, yeah. Nonios had yeah. only made one start on the dirt. It was in the Haskell, and quite frankly, had Painter not have to take a sideline visit to the Vets two weeks ago, he probably would have been a big favorite in here. And Nonios won so. second to this horse, first time on dirt. Yeah. Um, I think he's... Um I think he's a second choice, maybe. Well, did you see the, the jockey in the morning line? Velasquez. Right, which which is a big help at Saratoga, I think. Um, Hollendorfer has indicated that, that the horse fits. Um, looking at his races, there's no reason to think that he doesn't. Uh, quite frankly, this is a great shot. Uh, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity to take a shot at a million-dollar race because... Uh, I think it's pretty evenly matched. Uh, unless a horse really steps up big time, um, I think, you know, you're looking at a very evenly, or, or a, you know, uh, not a so-so field, but they're kind of all on the same level. Yeah, and I love it. Like you said, there's there's definitely going to be value in there. Well, let, let's move on. i got uh, just a couple of minutes before our break uh, to talk about a seven-furlong test called the test at Saratoga. It's a grade one, carries a half a million dollars in here. And um, I just wonder if you can throw out Contested's last race. i got a feeling she's the filly to beat in here. Yeah, uh, her last race was not... Um, was not exactly um, well. It wasn't good, but heavy rain the um, night before. Very yeah, heavy drag. Yeah, well, the way she just kind of uh, dropped out of it at the top of the stretch, basically, was 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 uncharacteristic. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I think um, that kind of race uh, lends itself to a horse like that. What I, uh, the horse that I actually zeroed in on is uh she drew the outside post her name is amy's beanie yes and um 
She's run around two turns most of this year, if not all of this year. And, um, you know, she's very, very fast around two turns. Um, she's faced some good competition. She's cutting back to seven furlongs one turn. And I think with that outside post, I think it's kind of advantageous with a horse like that because she's got some speed, but I wouldn't expect her to be on the lead or anywhere, you know, like maybe not closer than five lengths. But I think, um, you know, she's a seven furlong type horse. And I think maybe the price will be good for a horse like that because I do think that she's got the talent to win. So I just went with her. Well, the, the mystery horse for me is, is Gypsy Robin, and you know, I've been doing the regular guy show with me, there's an angle that I love, and that's an equipment change followed by a bullet work, and I noticed that West Ward is taking the blinkers off Gypsy Robin, and since Gypsy's last race, put in a 58-1 and one up at Saratoga. That usually says that they tried it and liked what they yeah. saw. And so they're coming back. And certainly Wesley Ward, uh, no, no stranger to, to winning big races. He hasn't had the best meet uh, at Saratoga so far. But also he has the blessing of John Velasquez in the saddle. That's not going to hurt him. And who knows what kind of odds you might get on that horse. Yeah, um, you know, she's another one. Her last race was not typical. <laughs> uh, she never got the lead and, quite frankly, really didn't run. Um, you know, I'm kind of t- with horses like that who have shown uh, really good form previously, I'm tempted to just, like, draw a line through the race because, you know, let's face it, you know, horses can't crank every time, and, um, you know, I'm willing to draw a line through races. So, yeah, I I can see that, you know, and quite frankly, um, whoever is is, um, wagering on the card that day really needs to watch the early races. Right. To see, you know, if speed is holding, if speed's not holding, if speed is holding... Gypsy Robin's the kind of horse that you may want to throw in. So. Could, be, could be a lot of value. Well, uh, coming up, uh, we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to look at the uh, Foxwood Kings Bishop, a seven furlong race for the boys, and then we're going out west to uh, one of the biggest races of the year, the Million Dollar Pacific Classic. You're listening to winningponies.com. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from Blood Horse Magazine is uh, Tom Lamara. And uh, right now we're going to take a look at one more race at Saratoga, and then we're going out to uh, Del Mar at Saratoga. Uh, we're going to take a look at another seven furlong race, kind of an interesting distance. Uh, you don't get to see seven furlongs enough. Uh, you're halfway between a sprinter and a miler. It makes for uh, a unique horse. And... Uh, uh, before I, I get Tom's input, I'm just going to say, as I have already in this program, there's some horses that fall in love with Saratoga, and they're awful tough to beat. And the horse for course in here, in my opinion, is Currency Swap. Uh, it's been training at, at Monmouth Park, but is three for three at Saratoga. Uh, it has the regular rider in the saddle. It's going to be very interesting because he's going to be uh, taking on Trinenberg, you know, a horse that's uh, raised a lot of eyebrows over the years and I had my best quote from Winning Ponies so far this year, Tom, when I had Mike Watchmaker on prior to the Derby, and he says, if Trinenberg gets the distance of the Kentucky Derby, he'll have to cut across the infield. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Which actually was accurate. Right. Hey, beat three horses, I believe, so uh, what can I say? But anyhow, I, I, you know, this is kind of unique. Like I said, seven furlongs. I think I, I like it a lot. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, horses in here that like Saratoga. You've got horses in here that like seven furlongs. And uh, you also got this uh, emerging horse with Dominguez on it on the outside, uh, Dr. Chit. But one thing, Tom, and I'll let you take over from here, is that I was shocked to look at a stat in the form today that when Todd Pletcher has ridden Dominguez this year, they are 0 for 13. Oh, really? That, that is interesting. And, you know, the, very interesting. The, the, by far leading rider, one of the best trainers, uh, that, you yeah. know, uh, Dominguez has 47 wins up there, and uh, Pletcher's got 25. Uh, the fact that those two teaming up together have never had a win just kind of hit me between the eyes. But nonetheless, I probably hit most of the highlights outside of Johnny V on Ever So Lucky. Now I need to find out who Tom Lamar likes. Well, the fact that um, that Velasquez is not riding for Pletcher is kind of interesting because um, this actually um, – Produced at least, I think, one winner. <clears throat> excuse me, in last year's Breeders' Cup, um, where Velasquez rode for Wayne Catalano and won the uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, the King's Bishop uh, loaded with speed. Um, you know, I was tempted at first to look for a horse that maybe would come from off the pace, and then I looked at the. Um, the uh, brisk speed figures. I, I'm not a big, not a big speed figure person. Period. No matter where they come from, but you know, I use it for comparison purposes at least, but not to pick my horse. But I just, you know, I looked at Trini Berg, and um, the reason that I kind of like him is because he's outside. He's, uh, I think he's a nine of ten. He does have Doctor Chit outside of him, which is not a good thing. But um, I think maybe that might be the best spot to be. I don't like horses who are buried inside in these seven furlong or one-turn mile races. I shy away from them. And um, so 
I was looking at Ever So Lucky because I think that he's a good horse. <clears throat> I just don't know if he's uh, quick enough to um, run with Trini Berg and a couple others, but I think class-wise, I'm leaning toward Trini Berg. Well, uh, again, he certainly hasn't ducked anybody during his career. You know, you, you see, uh, you know, Union Rags and uh, a Secret Circle in there. I'll have another. And then, of course, uh, just fell a neck short to Fort Loudon last time. Uh, that was at six furlongs. I'm just, uh, it's kind of strange. It could have been the Calder course. I don't know, though, because he broke his maiden mm-hmm. there. I'm kind of scratching my head about Trendenberg and wondering if he's regressing a little bit. Um what, what, do you, what do you think about uh, some horses underneath? Um, I'm looking at Ever So Lucky, like I said. Um, it's kind of interesting that that Velasquez is riding him. And um, I believe he's also, he's cutting back in distance, which I think maybe one turn really is his deal. And um, once again, you know, I think you need to watch the early races to kind of have an idea of whether or not horses that you like have a shot. And, um, but I do think that he's got the talent. Um, of course, you know, his speed numbers don't rate up, but quite frankly, I'm not really worried about that. I think a lot depends on, on the pace and how the track is playing. So really, um, you know, it was like a crapshoot. Um, there's a lot of speed in there. I thought Trini Berg was the best speed, and I thought maybe Ever So Lucky was the horse that may rally from off the pace. The others, I, I really have no opinion, to be completely honest. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's move out to the million-dollar race. I, uh, the clock is ticking on me here. Uh, the, the Pacific Classic, of course, uh, is going to be the big one. Lost one of the stars with acclamation. Who's going to have to pass on the race? Uh, they're taking their time with him. And uh, interesting storyline here. Obviously, I, Game On Dude is going to be the one to catch. And uh, people it's, this season have had no problem riding second behind Chantel Sutherland, probably for more than one reason. But uh, the uh, addition of the three-year-old Doolahan I thought was kind of interesting in here. That race, I kind of like Rail Trip. Um, you know, um, he's a great story. He's been... West Coast, East Coast, back to West Coast. And um, he won his last start. Um, and um, I don't know. I just have a sneaking suspicion that maybe, um, you know, that it's his day. Um, I understand that the Baffert horse probably will be in front. But you know what? Uh, rail trip's a fast horse, too. And um, I just think that the price will be good on rail trip. I really didn't go much past him in this race. I was looking for a price, and that's who I settled on. Well, Tom, you know what I find really interesting in, in looking, I'm looking at Rail Trip and I'm, I'm looking at Game on Dude, is that, you know, Rail Trip being a seven-year-old gelding and Game on Dude being a five-year-old gelding, that it, it appears to me these two have never met before. Uh, I believe that is correct, because Rail Trip has, you know, he's been... Like I said, he went to the East Coast and he was off for a while. Um, he's had some breaks... Um, but, uh, when he's right, he's really good. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I don't think that a mile a quarter is an issue. It's just a matter of how the pace goes. And, um, I'm just going to take a shot with it. You know, um, I, I'm not over the moon about the field in the Pacific classic. So I figured, you know what? Yeah, why not? Well, um, 
I've only got about a minute or so left. I don't know. I know you always got your ear to the ground, even though you're based in Lexington. This happened out on the West Coast. Is What do you hear about the transfer of Richard's kid from the barn of Bob Baffert over to Leandro Mora? Well, the last tweet I saw today, yes, yes, um, we do get news from Twitter, as you know, um, that at the uh, draw for the Pacific Classic last night that um, – Bob's wife, Jill Baffert, got into a little uh, scrum with uh, Mark Burge, who is one of the owners, new owners of Richard's Kid, and also CEO of Santa Anita. Anita. (laughs) So, uh, obviously, uh, there's some bad blood. So, um, I'm sure that that will be a storyline on Sunday. Uh, absolutely. Well, Tom, once again, <laughs> thanks a lot for uh, for keeping us updated right. on all the news, and thanks a lot for taking the time uh, for handicapping uh, w- with us tonight, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you at a racetrack near you soon. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Well, that was Tom Lamar, the news editor of the Blood Horse. Uh, just a great guy. If you ever get a chance to hang around him with a racetrack, you will have a very good day. Trust me on that. Well, of course, uh, earlier in the show, we had uh, uh, columnist Jay Hovday. Uh, obviously, if you uh, buy the Daily Racing Forum, you'd read Jay. I hope that you'll go out in support of uh, Thoroughbred Aftercare and buy the new uh, Old Friends magazine that, that Jay's writing for. And stay tuned to Winning Ponies because Jay's being my agent, and he's going to get Julie Crone on here in two weeks. Uh, she's going to be our guest here on winningponies.com. So that closes out another show from high atop the grandstand overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.